Today we are looking at evidences that we are, in fact, walking by faith and not by sight. And this may be a whole lot more practical to you than you might think. Because Hebrews chapter 13 is a very practical chapter that helps us to know and to others to know that we are walking by faith and not by sight. There are some evidences we're going to see in the chapter. I have time this morning to see two of four evidences. Then in a future sermon, we'll look at evidences three and four. But our focus this morning is on Hebrews 13 verses one to seven which give us two evidences when we are walking by faith and not by sight. Evidence number one is that we are enjoying spiritual fellowship. And evidence number two is that we are submitting to spiritual leadership. So the two evidences that we are walking by faith and not by sight in the passage this morning, number one, enjoying spiritual fellowship. Number two, submitting to spiritual leadership. As is our practice, we'll take these two one by one. And so the first evidence that we are living by faith is that we are enjoying spiritual fellowship. Hear the word of God in Hebrews 13, 1 to 6, and follow along as I read. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what shall man do to me? So the first evidence of walking by faith and not by sight is to enjoy spiritual fellowship. And specifically, the text gives us five aspects of spiritual fellowship that we all should be enjoying. And the first aspect is hospitality. Do you see it there in verses one and two? Let Love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. So hospitality, being hospitable, is a way that you show others that you're walking by faith and not by sight. We could say opening our homes. Opening our homes. The first readers of the book of Hebrews needed hospitality because of persecution. And I would submit that we need hospitality because of loneliness. We can be so around people, but terribly lonely. And one of the remedies for loneliness is to invite people into our homes after COVID, to show them love, to listen to them, for them to take an interest in us. We need to open our homes when it's allowable to do so because it combats the pervasive loneliness that is in our country and culture. Now, the Greek word for love in verse 1, let love of the brethren continue. The Greek word for love here is phileo, which comes from the root of friendship love. And so this verse is telling us that we enjoy spiritual fellowship by opening our homes and hospitality and enjoying others' company in our homes. And as I've said, after COVID, 
as you think to open your home, please remember, it's not the size of your home, it's the size of your heart. And it's not what's on the plates, it's the love among the chairs around your table. And so from hospitality, we move in the text to concern. Another aspect of enjoying spiritual fellowship is to show concern. Verse 3, remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves also are in the body. We need to show concern to prove that we are walking by faith and not by sight. A genuine concern for others. When you say that you will pray for someone, do you pray? And if you do pray, do you follow up with the person you've said you will pray for to see how that prayer request God has answered? That's what true concern does. It does pray when it, you say you will, and it follows up after you've prayed as to what God has done. When a brother is out of a job, does it feel to you that you are out of a job also? When a friend cries, do you both need Kleenex? Concern empathizes and concern takes action. And it says that even unrecognized visiting angels will love your concern for them. Our concern should also be for the well-being of those who are imprisoned for their testimony in Christ. Prisoners who have just become prisoners because they are simply loyal to Jesus Christ and not to the state, but to Christ. Do you know this morning that around the world, estimates are that 215 million Christians are in jail simply because they love Jesus? We're going to put some websites up on the screen for you. If you want to deepen your concern and prayer for our brothers and sisters, 215 million of them in jail as I'm preaching, these websites can help you to research more and to find out more about the persecuted church around the world. And so enjoying fellowship involves hospitality and concern, but in the third place, Enjoying fellowship as a proof of walking by faith and not by sight requires a wholesome home. A wholesome home. Verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators, that's intimacy uh, before marriage, and adulterers, that's intimacy outside of marriage, for fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So God expects us, as an evidence of walking by faith and not by sight, to have a wholesome home, especially as it pertains to our intimate relationships. You who are married here this morning or viewing, God created your marriage beds, and he never creates anything that's defiled. It's your job, my job as a married man, to keep our marriage beds exclusive, undefiled, and holy. And to the single persons who are listening to this message, God hasn't given you a marriage bed. Wait and see and pray to see if he will. 
And in the meanwhile, live Holy Spirit controlled and pure while you wait. God is zealous for your home to be a wholesome and holy home. And it's ours to be zealous for that as well. So when we go to the fourth thing involved in enjoying spiritual fellowship, according to this text, and the fourth thing is contentment. Verse 5, let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 10, echoes what I've just read in Hebrews 13. Listen. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. And if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. Contentment. And the verse in Hebrews 13 especially identifies contentment with respect to money, and so does the passage in 1 Timothy 6. You see, money is a good servant, but a lousy master. Here's a practical and sure way to increase your contentment. Are you ready? Increase your gratitude to God. Gratitude kills discontentment. Gratitude murders greed. Regularly, make it your habit to count your blessings, name them one by one. You've heard the story of the man with no shoes who was ungrateful until he saw the man down the road with no feet. Count your blessings, name them one by one. It's a proof that you're walking by faith and not by sight. The fifth and final indication that we are walking by faith and not by sight, at least in these verses, is courage. Courage, verse uh, 6 in our passage, which reads, So that we confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? The logical flow in this verse 6 is as follows. God's help, our courage, others' impotence. Start with God's help, move to the courage God's help gives you, and be mindful that no one can do anything to harm you. They're impotent when you understand God's help you have and the courage that engenders in you. You don't have to fear Anyone. In other words, keeping God big enough makes persons and predicaments small enough for us to have courage and arise to do God's will as we know it in His Word. For the boy, the shepherd boy David, what a scene it must have been to walk into the Israelite army camp 
and see the generals and the sergeants and the foot soldiers quaking in their boots over a Philistine giant named Goliath. What a scene that must have been. A little shepherd boy, young, overlooked by many, walked into that camp and could see the Philistine giant and the Philistines mocking the Israelites and in so doing, mocking their God. And for the shepherd boy, David, he understood the help that was available to him from God that gave him courage to face the giant and made all the Philistine armies impotent to harm him. And for the boy David in that situation, it wasn't, can I hit him with this rock? It was, because God is bigger than that giant, how can I miss him with this rock? You and I can prove that we walk by faith and not by sight by enjoying spiritual fellowship. To review, five proofs that we're enjoying spiritual fellowship offer hospitality, show concern, have a wholesome home, choose contentment, and take courage. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there's a second evidence in these verses that we are walking by faith and not by sight, and it's submitting to spiritual leadership. What does that look like? Well, according to the passage and beyond in the chapter, what it looks like is these three things. Ready? Remembering them, that is your spiritual leaders. Verse 7, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. So you need to be remembering your spiritual leaders. Second, you need to be obeying your spiritual leaders. Verse 17, beyond the verses of our focus, but verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable to you. You want to prove you're walking by faith and not by sight, then show that you're submitting to the spiritual leaders that God has put into your life, remembering them, obeying them, and greeting them. Verse 24, greeting them. Greet all of your leaders and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. So let's talk about remembering, obeying, and greeting. Remembering leaders is not forgetting the spiritual leaders you have had who have moved on from Calvary Bible Church or have gone to heaven. And I would say that our church is pretty good at this. You often reference to me the blessings of pastors Weech and Anderson and Thompson and Cole and Hudson and Russell and Arnett and Lee. I think this congregation is pretty good about remembering its spiritual leaders, so you're commended. But after remembering your leaders, also be obeying your leaders. Now, this is not hard to understand. Listen carefully, please. As long as, as long as a spiritual leader of a church is in the will of God, is in the will of God, obeying the word of God, obeying the word of God, he is to be obeyed. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Be imitators of me, Paul writes. Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. When a spiritual leader is trying to aspire to Christ-likeness, then you have an obligation to follow <clears throat> that spiritual leader. 
It's walking by faith and not by sight to obey such spiritual leaders because sometimes we confess that we immediately don't have all the explanations that you might like for what we're doing. Be patient with us. Check our lives for their consistency, for their obedience to God's word, for the prayer life we have as leaders. And if that's all in order, if we're obeying the word of God, we're teaching and preaching, then please follow us. That's what the Bible says. Many things which my parents did when I was growing up, I didn't understand as a child. But now that I'm a parent, I better see what they were doing and why God called me as a child to obey my parents. Now, pastors must never be dictators, just like husbands are not to be dictators either. 1 Peter 5, 3, nor yet lord it over those in your allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Spiritual leaders are to strive to be good and wholesome and biblical examples to the persons that they shepherd, not to dictate over them from a hollow life or a hypocritical life or a disobedient life. Pastors must not be dictators, just as husbands must not be dictators. Because the verse says, one day, every pastor will have to give an account to Jesus of his ministry to Jesus among Jesus' people. And what does Jesus want of his spiritual leaders? How does he want them to interact with his people? By watching over their souls. My job, among other things, is to watch over your soul. This pen and ink drawing is one of the most cherished gifts I've received in 34 years of being a pastor. A man in one of the church I pastored gave it to me. And what I love about this is that it's got a shepherd cradling a lammy, loving a lammy. And that's a picture in some sense of me as an under-shepherd to the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, loving you, encouraging you, watching out for you, guiding you. But in another sense, I am the little lammy and Jesus is my good shepherd. There's only one good shepherd and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm a sheep, but for a reason I can't fully explain or understand God tapped me on the shoulder in 1981 and said, you be an under-shepherd. I felt so inadequate. I was scared out of my boots. So much responsibility, and I still have a healthy, healthy fear of being a good pastor to you. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be one who says good things but doesn't live them. I don't want to be a pastor who doesn't know you as best I can know you because I have an under-shepherd responsibility to all of you. And when you share with me about your lives, it's special to me. When you share with me confidences that won't go any further than me, not even to my wife, it's a trust you give me. And so you are called to obey spiritual leaders who are in alignment with the scriptures and living the proper life. And we will give an account to Jesus as spiritual leaders as to whether we guarded your souls, whether we fed your souls, whether we corrected your souls when you needed correction, 
whether we prayed for your souls, a very dear present. And so after remembering your leaders and after obeying your leaders, near the end of this chapter 13 is greet your leaders. Be greeting your leaders. May I say something? Every Christian should be on speaking terms with his or her pastor. Every Christian should be on speaking terms with his or her pastor. When I was in a ministry, I learned about a son of one of our deacons who went to another church. And he heard the pastor in that church say, he was a Dallas Seminary graduate, as am I, that pastor who pastored a son of one of our deacons in another city said that the pastor stood up and said at one point, I'm going to have you believing the same way I do eventually. And that son got angry about that. And he kept the anger and never spoke to the pastor about that and festered and became bitterness. And it spilled over to the deacon in my congregation. And he started to stand beside me at the end of every service while I was shaking hands. And in this year, telling me what was wrong with my sermon. And in this year, I was listening to what the saints were saying to me on the way out. Annoying. Disrespectful. And I spoke to him about it. I said, you can speak to me about my sermon any time through the week, but not now. It's inappropriate. And so here's an example of a son who had a root of bitterness toward his pastor. He gossiped about his pastor to his daddy, who was a deacon in my church. And the deacon in my church figured that because I'm a Dallas Seminary trained pastor, that I really think that all everybody in the congregation that I'm pastoring believe just the way that I do. He never asked me if that's my goal. He just assumed. And so every Christian should be on speaking terms with his or her pastor. Because not to be allows a root of bitterness to grow in your heart. Chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up, watch it, causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. You see, when my deacon started having a critical spirit toward me as his pastor, it spread through the congregation because that's a juicy bit of information to gossip about. Every Christian should be on speaking terms with his or her pastor. Don't allow a root of bitterness to grow in your heart because a root of bitterness will poison you and pollute your, tr- your church. And every good and perfect gift is from above. James 1.17, you can read it on your own. And so both pastors and congregations are supposed to be good and perfect gifts to each other. Godly pastoral leadership is God's gift to churches. And churches' support for their pastors is God's gift to the pastors. There was a well-known Welsh pastor in downtown Toronto, Gerald Griffiths, well-known in Canada, very well-known in Canada. And he said more than once that I heard, great churches make great pastors. That's true. Great churches make great pastors. So thank you so much for supporting me and my family these six plus years. We feel prayerfully and emotionally and financially and practically supported by the incredible body of Christ. We don't take it for granted. We truly appreciate it. 
And now to conclude this message by looking at a question. I ask you this question. Can you prove that you walk by faith and not by sight? The verses we've looked at say, yes, you can if you enjoy spiritual fellowship and if you submit to spiritual leadership, then you evidence that you walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, that, may that be characteristic of us. Shall we pray? Lord, we want to better walk by faith rather than sight. So make us believers who are hospitable and concerned for each other and wholesome in our homes and content and courageous. And Father, make us believers who submit well to godly church leaders that you put in place. Help us to remember them and to obey them and to greet them without any root of bitterness. We pray this about us better walking by faith because without faith, it is impossible to please you. And we pray in Jesus Christ, the head of the church's name, amen.